Wow, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for, for having me. That's quite an intro, Dean. Let's, uh, let's hope it goes up from there. Or, you know, if we could, I feel like it can only go one way from there. It was very good. Most of it not true, but very good. It's great. It's good to be uh, good to come together and worship our Lord and our Saviour and just praise His name. That's what we do when we come to church. It's a good thing to do. Do you ever find yourself doing something that you think, why am I doing that? You're just doing it and then you think, oh, why am I doing that? I know shopping for me is like that. You, 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 you're in the aisles and you're going up and down and you've got your um, shopping trolley and you're in aisle one and you're just doing your thing. And you think, why am I, why am I doing this? And then if we stop and we think about it, you, the reason we're doing it is so our family can eat, isn't it? If we don't shop, they don't eat and that's not good. And, uh, but we can come to church sometimes and worship can be like that. We can come uh, corporately together and we can worship our God and think, why, why do we come and sing songs? Why do we get involved in singing? Why don't we just, it's just odd. Why do we do that? And so tonight I want to carry on with this Pursuit of God uh, series. And I know you've been looking at the area of fasting and the area of prayer. And Dean covered this morning the area of personal worship. And today I want to look at, tonight I want to look at what is it to corporate worship? Why do we come? What's happening when we corporately worship. And so if you've got a Bible, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I want to share a story with you from the book of Chronicles about a king called Jehoshaphat. So if you've got your your Bible, spin that open. Some guys down here flicking through the phones. I think that's what you guys are doing, isn't it? Or you just, you got the Bible app. That's what they're saying. People behind them could just check that. I'm not sure if that is the Bible app. Yeah, shouldn't be too long, love, we'll be out of here soon. (laughs) Okay, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it's a story about Jehoshaphat. Now it's like this, after this the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Mennonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came out and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already Hezron and Tamar. Alarmed Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. What's happening here is Jehoshaphat uh, is setting up the land. He's just come out of a time of putting judges across all the land to rule over the people and to look after the situation. And then he sets steady, but all of a sudden, these three groups come towards him, and they're coming to set to have fight with him. He gets a little bit uh, narked about this because these people are people that he wasn't allowed to go into their land when they went into the promised land uh, earlier in the generations earlier. And so now he's like, why are these people, you know, I didn't get rid of them then. Now this is the thanks I get. They're coming after me. He's pressed on every side. You know, as people in the Western society, we can feel like that sometimes. We can feel like we're pressed on all sides. Sometimes we feel pressed in our relationship situations. Sometimes we feel pressed in our work situations. Sometimes we feel pressed family-wise. Sometimes we feel pressed financially, but sometimes in life we can just feel like everything is closing in on us. Maybe you've had that, that feeling. Well, if you have, it's good news tonight, because this is what Jehoshaphat does. Jehoshaphat, in verse 3, he inquires of the Lord, what shall I do? What shall I do? Then he gets all the people of Judah, that's the tribe that he looks after, and Judah means praise, and so he gets all the people of praise to come and to seek God for what they should do. And he declares a fast, and so all the people are fasting to seek God about what they should do, and they're waiting and they're seeking Him. We get down to verse 6 of uh, chapter 20, and it says this. Jehoshaphat starts to pray, and he says, Lord... The God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. 
our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you'll hear us and save us. What is he doing? He's not just praying any old prayer like, God, get us out of here. He's like, God, You've said, he goes back and he starts praying through the word of God and he says, God, what, this is what's happened. This is what you, you've called us. You promised us. You let us out of the land. You know, if you want some agreements with God when you're praying, pray through the promises that are in the Bible because they're his words and that's what he says. These are his promises. So if you pray through the promises of the Bible, you're already in agreement with him because he actually wrote them. So he's praying them and he's calling all the people to pray. And we get down to verse 14 and this is what happens. Jahaziel. A prophet speaks and he says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jahaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Bethaniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mattaniah. Simpler names, please. A Levite and a descendant of Asphat as he stood in his assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for this battle is not yours but God's. That's great news, isn't it? You know, a prophet is just simply someone who hears the word of God and speaks out to the people. And so he speaks these words. And what he says is this, the battle is not yours. You know, to you, he might be here tonight and you think, I've got some things that are coming up against me. I've got some things that are pushing into me. I've got some things that are, you know, the battle is not yours. The battle is God's. And Jezeel says that. And he also says, God is with you. Stand firm. That's great words. The God, the King of heaven, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, He is with you. Stand firm. You know, when I'm involved in a little bit of a tussle or, you know, something comes up against me, I always like to look around and see who's standing with me. I do a little bit of a skill count to see what they can do. You can do that. You can, I think we're going to be, we're good. We can take this. Well, God is with you. Whenever you face a battle, whenever you face a tussle, whenever you face something that comes against you, look left, look right, God is with you. And it's on Him that we stand firm. Not on your own ability, not in your own strength, not because you're skilled, not because you went to university, not because you became a doctor. Because of God, stand firm. So He tells them that, you know, Ephesians 6 says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So all the things that we come up against, it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers and the principalities of this earth, of the world. And so the things that come against us aren't our battle, it's God's battle. And we stand firm with that. And in verse 18, it says this. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Isn't that great? What did they do after they got that word? They came down and they fell down and they worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. They worshipped and prayed. And I love in verse 19, it says this, Then some Levites from the Kothahites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord of God of Israel with very loud voices. Isn't that good? They stood up and they praised God with loud voices. Why? Because God is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to get a little bit loud for. And I love the fact that the Bible said that the people who sung loudly, they got a mention. Not the people who just quietly praise God. Not the little mousy ones, but the ones who, it doesn't say they sang well. It doesn't say the people who sang in tune. It says that they sang loudly. And you know, I, I think of that. And I think, you know, if you've grown up in churches for a long time, you know, it's usually an old bloke behind you has some sort of falsetto sort of voice and he 
booms it out. It's good. You want to be one of those people. If you sing loudly, you're likely to get remembered. (laughs) And that is very, very good. And so they praise God and they worship God. Then what happened in verse 21? It says this. Verse 21 of that same scripture says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love in Jews forever. So he's pushed in on all sides. He doesn't know what to do. He seeks God. He goes to the word of God and then God calls him to pray and to worship. And so he gets a bunch of men together to worship. It says he called the men together to worship. I love this bit. It's not that it's a gender issue. It's just that I love the fact that he called the men to worship because sometimes uh, we think singing's not really a manly thing. Sometimes we think, oh, that's not what men do. You know, men, we sometimes come to worship and we think, oh, I'm not going to sing Unless we win the grand final. And then we sing like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> oh, we're from Tigerland, yeah? I'm a Dockers fan, but you've got to sing whatever you can because <laughs> you're not sure when your turn's going to come. you just got to sing. But singing is for all of us. Men, it's for all of us. You know, no one told Jimmy Barnes that singing wasn't for men. No one told Chris Martin. No one told Biebs that you shouldn't sing for men. You know, I think about this at the Midnight All concert, that we had a Midnight All concert last month, and I just picture, you know, Peter Garrett there going along, and he, you know, and he's singing, the sugar refining company won't save me. And then he goes, don't see all the men go, oh, love, this is your turn. You, <laughs> you sing, no. All the men were already yelled out, who's going to save me? It's okay to sing. It's good when you sing. You see, when we sing, we're going to find out something changes in the atmosphere. Something happens in the spiritual atmosphere. And when something changes in the spiritual atmosphere, it starts to change the way that we react and we respond in the physical. And so we're called to sing and to worship our God. And what did they worship him for? What did they say? I love this bit because they started to sing and they sung... You know, thank you, God, that you've given us all the great big guns. Thanks that you've given us great lawyers. Thanks that you've worked out a great strategy for us. Thank you that we will win this because of the skill set that you have given us. Because we are amazing. And we build good things. It's not quite what it says. It says, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They're not singing because they're getting victory. They're singing because God is worthy to be praised. God has already done all that he needs to do. He created the earth, for goodness sake. He sent his son to die. He is worthy to be praised. As we said before, he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And so that's what they praise him for. They send the men out the front to the front of battle, and the men are singing, and I guess everyone else is singing, and they're lifting their hands, and they're worshiping, and they're praising God, for he is worthy to be praised. Nothing more, nothing less. We will just sing because he is worthy to be praised. And then this is what crazy happens. I love this bit. They get ready to go out to the fight. But in verse 21... 22, it says this, As they began to sing and praise the Lord and set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were living, invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. This is crazy. What a great plan. We're going to sing 
and one of the teams is going to fight the other two teams, and then after that, they're going to beat each other up. That's a great plan. And that you couldn't even imagine to plan. So here they are. They come into battle. They're pressed from every side. Sometimes we're pressed from every side. And rather than thinking, how am I going to do this? What you get my mind focused on that. I've got to worry about how I'm going to fix everything. They just decide to lift their eyes to God and praise and worship Him and allow Him, because it's His battle, not theirs, to take care of the battle and to win the battle for them. That is great. You see, when we take our eyes off the things that are shakeable, things that are movable, the issues and the problems in our life, and we start to put them on that which is immovable, that which is shakeable, the rock of our salvation, the thing that never moves, the God that is the same tomorrow, yesterday, today, the unshakable God, things start to happen. Changes inside of us, it changes our focus, it changes the way we see things, it changes the way we respond to things. And so things change in the spiritual atmosphere, and that affects what happens in the physical realm. And what happens here is that these warring factions turned on each other and actually started to fight each other, and they won the war. It goes on for more than that. In verse 25, it says that they went out. Not only did God provide victory, but they went out and they collected plunder after, and it said it had so much plunder they couldn't carry it in one place. Not only God had God won the battle, but he'd also been their provider. As they worshipped, they experienced a God who is the provider. That's good. That's the same for you and me today as well. So much plunder. So they, verse 28, they went back and this is what they did when they got back after they'd won the battle. And this is important. They won the battle. They'd done everything great. So they all got around each other and, and patted each other on back and said, you are amazing. You are awesome. And in verse 28, they actually did this. It says, they entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came over all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. They worshipped God before the event, they worshipped God in the event, and they worshipped God after the event because God is worthy to be praised, and their whole vision of everything changed dramatically. And that's the same for you and me today. When we worship our God, when we get our eyes off the things that are movable and shakeable, the issues in our life, and we get them up on the unshakable, our God, things begin to change. And it delivered them peace and rest. You know, we live in a society that craves peace and craves rest. There's so many different modalities offered to us as people to find peace and rest in our life. Whether it be crystals, yoga, Reiki, there's all types of things offered that this will give you peace and rest. And people are clamoring in our society for it because we all desire peace and rest, don't we? Well, what the people of, of the kingdom of Judah, the kingdom of praise, Jehoshaphat, what they found is they worshipped God. They actually found rest and peace. That's great news for anyone who calls in the name of Jesus today because all we need to do when we feel stressed, when we feel run down, when we feel like things are crowding in on us, whack on a worship tape. Lift our hands, lift our heart and start worshipping him. And when you do that, when your eyes come off here up to there, what happens is we get a peace and we get rest and things change. Sometimes it's just the changes the way we look at the event and the way that we look at the situation. But it comes through praise and it comes through worship. And we see that in Jehoshaphat. 
Was it that bad? <laughs> Up higher. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. Sorry, Boz. <laughs> we haven't got to the unit on a microphone holding at our church yet. <laughs> Just getting there. Just covered reading. Very good. You know, we don't just see this in the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament too. I love Acts 16. We see Paul and Silas are in the jail. They've been thrown in the jail for preaching the word of Jesus and they're put in the jail. And rather than get really upset and really frustrated about that and really like, this is not fair, it's injustice. This is, they lift up their heads and they lift up their hearts and they start singing praises to God. And those praises to God weren't, oh God, we love you so much. Please provide someone with a hacksaw so we can get out of here. They praised God for who he was. And what happened then was there was an earthquake and the jail broke open and rather than, because they're good people, rather than run out, they started to share the word of God even more. So we see it in the Old Testament, we see it in the New Testament. It's the same for seeing it here in the northern suburbs of Perth as well. And so why do we come to worship? Why do we join together? We come and worship together to change the spiritual atmosphere that we might see things differently in the earth and we might actually respond differently. To get our eyes off the things that go wrong in our life, just things that are pressing in on our life and to lift up our eyes to him. Sometimes even to get our eyes off our own successes and our things that go right for us and to get them off us and to get them up onto God. That's why we come and we worship. It's a discipline that we do and it's an exciting thing that we do and we get to do. And so tonight, just as we sort of wrap up tonight, as we go through this, I'd like to look at what does that look like and what, how do we do that? Why do, we've talked about why we do that. We know that it changes things in the spiritual atmosphere. So I want to have a little look about how do we do that? Because it's important that as we look at the scripture that we're able to apply it. And so I want to make sure that my mind and my body and my soul are all lined up together. I want my mind and my body and my soul to all be pointing towards Jesus. I don't want just my body going this way and my mind going this way. I want everything to line up. So when we come into worship tonight or in the morning, we come in all from all different spaces, don't we? Some of you guys floated in tonight. You, you probably had a worship tape going in the car and you're just talking about all the great things that God has done in your life and just adoring Jesus and loving life. Just think, how good is it that God has put me in the family I'm in? How good is it the job I've got? It's just wonderful. Some of you would have come from that place, and others you wouldn't. Others you might have come, and you might have an argument in your car. Maybe you came, and you, there's been some stress, and you're fighting with your partner in the car. Maybe the kid's in the back, and you say, maybe you come here, and you think, oh. maybe some of you came here today, tonight in a place where you didn't really even want to come tonight, but your partner dragged you along and said, we're going, and you went, oh, yes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but maybe you came tonight, and you're not even sure what, church is about. That's the truth of it. When we come into a building with this many people, we all come from different places. And there's no point not acknowledging that because that's real. That's life. And authentic worship of our God starts at an honest place in our heart that says, this is where I'm at. So it's no good putting on a veneer and coming in and going, oh, it's all great. If it's not all great, if it's all great, good. So we come in together from all different places. The next thing we have to do is we have to click our mind then to make a decision that tonight I am going to worship my God. It's a mental decision. It's a decision that says, I am going to worship him, not because I feel like it, not because things have been going well, but because he is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords, and he is worthy to be praised. So I'm going to mentally switch on and say, I am going to worship my God, even when I don't feel like it. 
And I always think about that because Jesus probably you know, had moments of not feeling like dying on a cross. So I think I can probably deal with that. So it's a decision to put aside all things and engage with a call to worship. And then we come in and there's these singers up on stage, worship leaders up on stage. And their job is to, if we read it in the Bible, their job is to look great, sing amazingly, entertain us, and sing all our favorite songs. That's what it says there. Now, obviously, the worship leader's job is to point us to God. Now, we uh, know that God is all around us. We know that God is there. But sometimes we need reminding. Last week, we've been looking for a car. Uh, I'm looking to buy a car. And we, we're looking at a maroon car. And, you know, I've, I haven't seen many maroon cars on the road. But now that I've been pointed out a maroon car, I'm seeing maroon cars everywhere. It's like they've multiplied. They're everywhere. And that's the same when we come to worship. We know that God is everywhere. But sometimes we just need some reminding to look up to him. So the worship leaders are here and they're just going, Jesus, Jesus. We're there, we're singing going, oh Lord, how am I going to make the bank balance work tomorrow? Worship leader, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, my husband, my wife, Jesus, Jesus. Did you see me win last week? It was amazing the way I played. I was sensational. I was the best. Jesus, Jesus. So they point the way to Jesus. Then we're blessed because we come with a group of people like you amazing people. And your job is to encourage each other to worship. The scriptures say that we encourage each other by singing hymns and songs together. And so we're down here. Can I jump without this going? Is there a technique for that? So we come to worship. I'm a bit older than you, John. So we come to worship, and, we, and I'm standing here. And, 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 you know, sometimes even that, so the worship leader said, lift your hand, you know, worship Jesus, look up. I'm still like, oh, I've made a decision, I'm focusing. But then I look left, and I see Lauren, and I go, okay, we're on. Suraj, we're on. Rama, I get that wrong every time. Cool. Reggie. We're going to have coffee later, I hope, and just patch that up. <laughs> you love Jesus, you have to forgive me. <laughs> so we look left and we get encouragement from each other. So it's like, oh, okay, we can do this, we can win. And so we worship our God. We encourage each other and we choose to worship, so we get it pointed out. So that's what happens in the mind. Then we need to line our body up with our mind. And this is what happens with our body. So... When I like to uh, come and worship, I just like to get myself in a place that's ready to receive what I'm going to connect with God. When I'm worshiping to God, it's a conversation. It's a communication with God. It's not a presentation. So I want to be open to Him. I want to be in a, in, in a place that's uh, receptive. And so the Bible talks about kneeling. It talks about lying prostrate. It talks about um, raising hands. But really, it's just about getting your body comfortable. You know, we've all been in meetings, haven't we, where you're sharing an idea and you're, someone's in the room and they're sitting there and they're, got their arms crossed and their legs down they're like, and you're thinking, I don't think they're getting that. I don't think they like it. So we just want to get ourselves in a, in a ready position. It's not, ma- it's not magical. It's not, uh, it's not a secret position. It's just about body language, getting yourself ready to speak with the living God. So we just find ourselves in that space. 
Now, worship is also a whole body experience. It's not just a, a vocal thing. And so I encourage you, you know, to, to allow your body to respond to whatever God's saying. So again, it's not like there's a special way to worship. There's not the five awesome steps to worship, and that's how you connect with God. And position one is like this, and position two is like this. But it's just about, you know, the Bible talks about just responding with your body. And so sometimes, this is just what I like to do. You don't have to do it. But sometimes when I want to receive from God, I just get myself in like I'm receiving position. Sometimes I like to raise my hands like I'm going, you know, like Abba Father. I just want to reach up to a dad. Or I want to be vulnerable. You know, the Bible talks about uh, David and, and, the, and, the, and the, the armor of God and just leaving these bits vulnerable. And so I want to be vulnerable to God. Sometimes I just want to high five God. Go, great stuff. That's awesome. Sometimes I just want to stand there. Sometimes I want to pump my fist. You know, sometimes we're singing these words. There's a song that goes, the world cannot ignore it when all the saints are roaring. Hell, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? That song makes me just want to grab my fist and go, it's a pump song. So we can do that because we're lining our body up. Our body shouldn't miss out on the worship. But again, it's not like it's not any better to do anything. It's just about responding to God and being free to respond to whatever he calls you to do. David danced uh, before the Lord. It says that he danced in his underwear, actually. And he said that he'd get even more undignified than this. Now, I don't know what that looks like, but I know that this <laughs> is a dignified place. And so we don't want to go there tonight. <laughs> But you get the sense that he was prepared to worship God however God called him to worship. That's what the scripture is talking about there. And we are encouraged to worship him as well. And then that's our body and then our spirit. When we've done that, we allow our spirit. We're in a body position. We've made a mental ascent to God that we're going to worship him. And then our spirit is in a place to connect with him and to allow him to speak to us, allow his Holy Spirit to speak into us and allow us to respond. It becomes a conversation of worship. We do this before the battle, we do it during the battle, and we do it after the battle. And what it does is it changes us and it changes the spiritual atmosphere. Changes the stuff in the spiritual atmosphere, which changes the way that we look. I love the story of Moses in the Old Testament, and the battle is happening in front of him. And every time he drops his hands, they start to lose. But every time he raises his hands in worship, they start to win. And it's so uh, evident that he act they actually get people around him to lift his hands up so he can keep worshipping. Isn't that great? It's a great picture of communal worship as well. That's not just about me worshiping, it's about all of us worshiping and helping each other and pointing to God. David was known as a man after God's own heart. That's what the scriptures say about him. And I reckon it's because he praised God when he stuffed up. We know he stuffed up. Whoa. Sheba and all those incidents. But when he stuffed up around Bathsheba, what he found afterwards that he came back in a heart of repentance and a heart of. Um, a, a, a heart that said, God, I'm sorry, and he entered into worship. When he was in trouble, when he was in the cave, and when these, you know, Saul is, is chasing him, he's worshipping. And then in victory, what do we see? He is worshipping as well. He worships the whole time, and he is a man after God's own heart. See, when we worship God, we see rest and peace in our lives, like chronicles. We see miracles, like in Acts 16, we see people set free. 
And we enter into his courts with thanksgiving and praise, Psalm 100 tells us. Why? Because our focus shifts from the everyday stuff that clogs us up and binds us down and distracts us from our Lord God and shifts to the rock of our salvation, the thing that never moves, the one sovereign God. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first his kingdom, and all other things will be added unto it. I want to read Psalm 95 as we start to wrap up tonight. Psalm 95 says this, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. The rock. That's who God is. He's the rock. In a moving, shaking world, we're not sure which way the world goes from day to day. God is the same. He is the rock of our salvation. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and then extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. What a beautiful scripture. Can I tell you today, it's good pasture. It's not dry land. When we come and worship our Lord, we lift our eyes to him. We lift our hearts. We lift our hands. We lift everything to him. It's beautiful green pasture. Maybe you're here today and you're feeling pressed on every side that we're talking about. Worship the Lord God. It's good pasture. It's a really, really good pasture. When we worship, the spiritual walls come down, just like Jericho. Shouts of praise change everything. I want to encourage you as people of God, never stop worshipping Him. We're talking about the pursuit of God in this series. We've talked about fasting, awesome. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about personal worship. But never forsake meeting together, the Bible tells us. Come together and lift up your voices like an army of God. Go before the army with worship and praise. And great things happen. People are set free. Miracles are seen. And you'll find rest and peace. Let's not just talk about it. Let's do it. Huh? Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray. And then we're going to worship our God. Heavenly Father God, we want to thank you that we gather here today, that we gather in freedom, that we gather with purpose, that we gather with family and friends. We thank you for the person on the left of us and we thank you for the person on the right of us. I thank you that they play a part in lifting my eyes towards you. When the things of this earth come and swarm me, and maybe there's people here today who are really feeling swarmed. I thank you for the people on the left of them and the people on the right of them. I encourage them to lift their eyes to Jesus, to lift their eyes to God, the sovereign God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is worthy to be praised because He is our Lord and our Saviour. God, I thank you that when we do that, we find rest and peace in you. Lord, as we worship you now, speak to us. As we worship you now and we line our minds and our bodies and our souls, pray your Holy Spirit who is with us always would tangibly speak into our lives that we would be ready to hear and ready to respond we give you all praise we give you all honor to God because you are worthy to be praised